Blog Talk Radio. I used to own. Yeah, sleeping alone and sweeping the streets I used to own. I still say that's a metaphor for the ongoing transformation of the healthcare board. Hello, everyone. My name is Greg Masters, and I'm your host of This Week in Accountable Care. I'm flying solo today, as in no special guests. You got me if you're listening. And uh, as I sit, I'm still dripping with a, uh, a wet wetsuit. As I have, uh, I'm managing to squeeze this broadcast in between a rather lively uh, HITSM, that's HASH, H-I-T-S-M, which stands for Health Information Technology Social Media Tweet Chat this morning. That's the hashtag that if you query that by any of the search uh, tools, Twitter and, and, and uh, et cetera, you can find a nice little Twitter stream this morning about uh, the implications of the, the SCOTUS decision on the Affordable Care Act, and that's what we're going to talk about today. I'm going to spend a little time pointing you in the, re- in the direction of what I consider to be worthwhile resources to take a look at it. Not everyone is addicted to this stuff as I am, and uh, don't watch line item by line item reporting, whether it's Twitter or other uh, Google alerts or subscriptions via RSS feeds on the tags associated with this particular conversation, ACO, ACO Chat, ACA, SCOTUS. Um, And for those who are in the, uh, uh, really this is the pejorative camp, the, the, uh, the traditional Obamacare types. Uh, who are out there uh, who are fear-mongering the government takeover of uh, the health care conundrum that uh, many of us live and breathe inside of 24-7. So welcome to the broadcast. So we are really T1 plus, plus one, so to speak, on the uh, on the Supreme Court ruling. And I have to say that, uh, first off, the main... A take on this is like WTF. <laughs> How could this happen? I mean, after all, all smart money was on the unconstitutionality, at least, of the mandate. I mean, after all, the government can't force you to buy anything. You know, come on. You shouldn't be in a position to create commerce. You know, I mean, nevertheless, we have a healthcare economy that dwarfs all others, probably many in the top 10 industrial developed nations, perhaps the top six or seven, you know, could actually the top four, I guess I won't do the math on the fly here, but our commitment of GDP, which is 18% plus or minus, probably more last reported year was 17 and change. But how much of the economy needs uh, does healthcare need to consume before it's considered commerce, interstate commerce? At any rate, all the all the smart money was on the mandate being struck down. Then there was very little drama about the question of whether the court could rule 
uh, the Anti-Injunction Act, whether it was, in fact, they had standing to review something that had not yet been fully implemented, if you will. So that was irrelevant. The question was the mandate and then the severability and then the expansion of Medicaid because the vision of the uh, Obama's uh, health reform, which is a bipartisan developed, although it did not travel a bipartisan approval route in as much as literally the guts of this was a conservative ideology bill. But they had conveniently forgotten about that because what matters in Washington is not substance, it's theater. So what we got was theater dating back to the Senate Finance Committee hearing that considered the bill and even before that. But here we are today. It was a monumental achievement that the Affordable Care Act was passed. It is a beyond monumental achievement that the Supreme Court, built by conservative appointees, built this is a conservative court, pure, pure and simple, nothing but a conservative court that has backed Obama's signature legislative accomplishment. Stunning, oh, by the way, WTF. And more than just the buzz that was going on in the likes of uh, the Bill O'Reilly's of the world and the Fox Noise Channel, but in really legitimate constitutional scholars who articulated very clearly and quite substantially logic that said, no way, Jose, this can't be constitutional. Those people had no axe to grind in terms of an ideological bent. They were simply brilliant legal people who reasoned it in such a way that they could not see how this could be deemed constitutional, yet it was. And it's interesting that it was deemed constitutional on what many are considering to be a rather technical pivot point, that being the idea that this is a tax versus a penalty. So the the logic developed, and I won't bore you because this is constitutional stuff, but for the legal beagle geeks, um, there are many good people to follow. David Harlow at the Health Blog. Without a doubt, the trophy property is SCOTUS Blog. Okay, hash SCOTUS and scotusblog.com, if I'm not mistaken. Let me double-check there. Do not want to misdirect you. I take it for granted since I log on to them all the time. But um, uh, so let's see. I'm getting, getting lost here. SCOTUS blog, go to Tom Goldstein. This is the guy who called it ahead of everyone else. The prevailing sentiment, whether it's the purple survey, whether it was in trade, whether it was uh, just the public sentiment that's being measured by Robert Wood Johnson and other sort of objective, not sort of, other objective disinterested third parties, did not look good. <laughs> did not look good. So it was a shocker. So layer into that, the pure, shall we say, misdirection, perhaps incompetence, or maybe even wishful thinking of some, both CNN and Fox reported that the mandate had been struck. Now, Fox was paying attention to SCOTUS blog, so Fox corrected their error within a minute or two of the broadcast, but Fox rushed to judgment, did not know how to read the decision, stopped short of actually what Roberts said in the opinion, and announced the mandate was struck down. CNN continued on, 
And this is just beautifully depicted and portrayed by our my, one of my heroes, John Stewart, who champions the faux news. But in fact, the faux news is much more representative of the real news. So he gets it on the comedy, uh, on the, the Daily Show that CNN stayed with it, and eventually they corrected themselves. But the one who got it was the SCOTUS blog. But the testimony to the granular reporting enabled by social media technology where we are the media, okay? It's not just this, these empires of broadcast and cable media that have uh, access to and report, you know, what's important to us in life. David Schuster, former, former uh, MSNBC commentator, was uh, broadcasting from the steps of the Supreme Court of the United States on behalf of the uh, Take Action News, at Take Action News on Twitter, takeactionnews.com, uh, courtesy of another social media hero, Digital Enabler, love these guys, Ustream. They broadcast live. They were the first ones to announce the decision on the mandate stood. First ones. They beat everybody. Everyone else was left with their hands in the cookie jar. These guys were there. They got it right. They reported it. Great day for social media, as I tweeted. So here we are, T plus one. Now the work really begins. So let's just say that um, why is, uh, you know, I've been um, engrossed somewhat on uh, acowatch.com. And, oh, by the way, I would direct you to acowatch.com because I've been reporting on the blog uh, of some really key resources that I would direct you to. Perhaps the first um, piece you might want to consider absorbing is the Google Hangout that was hosted by the New York Times and David Firestone, who's one of their opinion editors, that's at F-S-T-O-N-E-N-Y-T on Twitter, David Firestone, drew together some, some, some talented people. Some really ta- They're all talented people. I don't agree with some of them. But um, he tagged Maggie Mahar. Uh, uh, he, she, he tagged uh, Robert Reich, Michael Gannon, and... Uh, Grace Marie Turner, uh, Maggie's uh, well-respected journalist, blogger, producer, uh, creator of uh, Money Driven Medicine, former writer for major publications, including, I believe, Fortune, if I'm recalling correctly. Also published a great blog, iHealth. Excuse me, Maggie, I'm not getting it right. uh, And Professor... Uh, Robert Rice, former um, cabinet member in the Clinton administration, uh, Michael Gannon of the Cato Institute, and then uh, Grace Marie Turner of Galen. And check that out. It is a superb um, post-reflection of the SCOTUS decision. I think Reich and uh, Mahar get it right. I'm not in agreement with uh, Mr. Gannon. And, but check it out. That, that, that's definitely a good resource uh, to listen to it's almost real term in t- real time in terms of the decision and um, and so forth. Anyway, I've been uh, really the blog is focused on obviously the Affordable Care Act because the Affordable Care Act is the uh, is the Uber structure, if you will, for accountable care, accountable care organizations, the triple aim, uh, as it's perhaps otherwise expressed. 
And had the act been repealed or deemed severable, that was the other uh, question here, it was uh, if it was not several, you know, severability is such a standard part of any contract. To omit it, the lawyers had a party to decide whether it was purposely omitted or it was some kind of omission that opened up other possibilities downstream in the event that it was litigated, which it was. But um, generally speaking, had the mandate been ruled un- unconstitutional, which originally it was thought preposterous that one could think that it would possibly be ruled unconstitutional to the sea change shift that was then expressed expressed by 75 to 80 percent of in in trade betting was on that it would be ruled unconstitutional simply uh, happened over the last uh, two years basically and if it was deemed unconstitutional and then not deemed severable where the balance of the act could stand with respect to expansion Medica- uh, Medicaid and so forth and and all of the transformation that's driven by the accountable care uh, provision section 3022 I believe which defines uh, the scope of the accountable care programs uh, we would have been well we would have been up you know what creek without a paddle but all of it stands. So other than the legal accomplishments in terms of protecting a conservative agenda about the expansionist concerns of the federal government's power, what we have is the act stands. So again, accountable care organizations or the general framework of accountable care, which is less driven by per se federal regulations as to where you fit inside of the federal government's definition of qualifying for an ACO either at the pioneer level or whether you're doing the advanced payment program or it's simply the Medicare shared servings or bundled payment. These are the three programs inside what it means to be pursuing an accountable care agenda, at least from the point of view of the federal government. There's this whole other side in the CMS Center for Medicare and Medicaid Innovation, which is driving commercial innovation, innovation in the private market. And you will not believe what's going on there. I mean, you might. It depends on how close attention you're paying to this. But um, the innovation, had the act been struck down in part or it's in entirety, the innovation in the private marketplace would continue unabated. There are multiple articles which have spoken to this recently, which I tweeted about at 2HealthGuru or at ACO Watch. Check it out. I have some of those at the blog, acowatch.com. But that momentum, you know, the horse is out of the barn. There really is no alternative. We must transform. A la uh, Clay Christensen, we have an unsustainable, fundamentally unsustainable general hospital model that can't work anymore, that doesn't work anymore. We have a schizophrenic payment paradigm that generates volume instead of value. We all know about that. So, the innovation that uh, would have been impeded, if not reversed, by the court holding the act in part or in total unconstitutional, ain't gonna happen. You know, horse out of the barn. Innovation is happening all around us. So I'm going to have uh, a series of broadcasts. Some very exciting things that I can't publicly announce at this point as to who and what we'll be doing over the next several weeks. 
from the Health Data Palooza in Washington, D.C., to the ACO Summit in Washington, D.C., followed by the Wireless uh, Life Sciences Alliance meeting, and then the, excuse me, preceded by the Wireless Life Science Alliance meeting, and then followed by the Digital Health Summer Summit. Uh, we have got a long list of very, very thoughtful, high-level and granular people in the conversation, the shakers and makers out there in the accountable care AAA domain, which I'm going to get to chat with. So you're going to be the beneficiaries of uh, those insights. And without um, showing my hand as to one of those things, and to reinforce what I said earlier about the horse out of the barn in the commercial market space, uh, I have information that the go-to individual, the senior guy driving the, uh, the, the transformed ecosystem that is now required in this environment from a traditional health plan perspective, who is basically the repository of the demand on the provider side to implement accountable care structures has a waiting list as far as the eye can see. In fact, as of his report last month at the Wireless Life Sciences Alliance, he had 180 inquiries to, hey, we want to work with you. Hey, health plan, we want you to be a sort of information technology enabler partner as to what this ecosystem needs to look like so we can actually not just survive but actually thrive in an accountable care, triple aim oriented marketplace. So, you know, I have been, I feel somewhat vindicated here because there have been many who have said anything that CMS gets its hands on is going to be dirty, filthy, bureaucratic, and hopeless. Anything that comes out of this Affordable Care Act, you know, around accountable care organizations, well, heck, they're just ACOs. They're unicorns. No one's, everyone's talking about them. No one's seen them. There's no proof. They're HMO light. They're not patients. They're not attributed. They can't control it. Yaddy, 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 <laughs> Lots of skeptics, but you know what? There's a transformation of foot, whether it's Atriot's health, advocate care, av advocate health, monarch health, what they're doing even at Kaiser and Mayo and Intermountain on the accountable care, accountable care enterprise, if not outright organization front, is phenomenal. And the results are trickling in. You know, the results are trickling in. There's so much complaint that the, uh, uh, the Affordable Care Act, which was politically, politically stretched out over four years of scaled implementation to therefore intentionally drag out the effect that it would have in terms of the objectives of the tripling, whereas in Massachusetts, they were implemented in a single-year time frame, ergo the results were much more demonstrative. So accommodation political into the law, sort of a diminution and dilution of the actual impact of the act, yet nonetheless, aggregate cost expense for the Medicare trust fund, the rate of increases has been in a steady decline. Okay? Hospitals are now approaching health plans and asking them, how can we work together? How can we sort of deal with this schizophrenic motivation that we have on a production basis? The more we do, the more we're paid, and start thinking about more prudent management of community and medical and healthcare resources. What does that need to look like? How do we build that out? Work with us. 
you know, provide the provide whatever it is that you can bring to the, to the table. And health plans, to the extent they're not legacy focused, exclusively brand directed, but more interested in community benefit and exploring what that really means locally and all healthcare is local. Those are the ones that are going to have traction in the marketplace. So I've got some really exciting people lined up. I think you'll be pleasantly surprised. In fact, we may be upping the ante here in terms of the level of program that we're doing with uh, one of the major Washington-based think tanks uh, on uh, many things, but a large presence in the health reform, health policy, health wonk domain. Um, again, focused on Affordable Care Act, the consequences of SCOTUS decision, and where we go from here. So I'm pumped. I'm optimistic. By the way, I had a great surf session with my son. So it's a good day today here in San Diego. And as always, uh, please follow, uh, subscribe to the blog, acowatch.com. Please follow us on Twitter at acowatch and me at 2HealthGuru, Greg Masters. So I want to give uh, a shout-out to, uh, again, the pe- good people over at the um, HL7Standards.com who sponsor the Health Information Technology Social Media Tweet Chat today. And I will just close with what I considered, what I what I offered today uh, in the context of the four questions that were outlined for the Tweet Chat uh, around SCOTUS is, you know, it was uh, what, where are the career opportunities? What are the business opportunities? Where should we be positioning ourselves on the digital uh, health side in terms of information technology and how it adds value into the transformation? And I, I've basically said uh, 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 that this defines the agenda for healthcare social media. If you are not part of the conversation that is advancing the football towards the triple aim. And if you're not clear what the triple aim is, please Google it and read up on it, study it. This is the holy grail. This is where we're going. If your activities in the social media and digital media space are not about advancing that the football towards that game plan, then you're not adding value. That's my judgment. Sorry if you don't agree. You know, as has been said before, what do you want to do? Sell sugar water or change the world? That was Steve Jobs' challenge to John Scully when he was the CEO of PepsiCo. Scully decided challenging the changing the world was more worthwhile use of his time, and and history is evident for all to see. So, you know, social media has a role, has a democratization role to play here in raising health literacy in 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 breaking down the silos in, 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 in reducing the moats that we've built around our cathedrals of medicine and really make it a participatory exchange relationship between the providers of healthcare and the consumers to which it ostensibly serves. So we're there. We're there. This is the tipping point that Malcolm Gladwell talks about. So with that, I'm going to sign off today. I want to thank you for listening and look forward to the blog because I will be announcing my guests here rather shortly. So, Greg Masters saying, <laughs> as we cue the music, 
Thanks again for listening. I hope it made some sense to you. And I invite you to participate on the blog, ACO Watch. I accept guest posts from people who are thoughtful, uh, don't necessarily have to agree with what you say. Always welcome. Vince Caritas and I often spar, as I do occasionally with Matt Hulk, Bolty Boy on Twitter. So I enjoy the conversation, but please uh, stay tuned, and I'd love to hear from you. Greg Master saying, bye now. <laughs>